0: And it has been a wonderful journey. I've said this many times. The book of Jonah is really meant to be a mirror to our lives. So whenever we look at the word of God, the first thing we should ask is, what is God saying to me? So it's, it's wonderful that I don't have to be swallowed by a great fish. Come on, somebody give me a wave. And Jonah was swallowed by the fish, but I can learn something from Jonah's encounter with that. So as we conclude our study from the book of Jonah... We find ourselves in this place where God and Jonah seem to be at a bit of a standoff. Now, is it really possible to be, to be in a standoff with God? I'm not sure. I will leave that for your, for your discernment. I don't think it is. I think God always wins. How about that? And that's a good thing. You know, I heard a, I heard a little example that sort of depicts a bit of Jonah and his character and his life. It's like this, the dad who says to his son... Son, don't stand on the chair. You're going to fall and hurt yourself. And the son doesn't listen. He just keeps standing on the chair. And the, son, and the dad says, Son, don't stand on the chair. You're going to fall and hurt yourself. Son still doesn't listen. Keeps standing on the chair. Finally, the, the dad says, Son, sit down. You're going to hurt yourself. And the son sits down. And a few minutes go by. And the dad realizes the son isn't saying anything. Now, in some homes, that could be a good thing. And he realizes he's quiet. He says, Son, is everything okay? Are you, are you all right? He says, I may be sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> and I think that's where we find Jonah. Jonah in this strange situation, he's done what God called him to do. He went and preached to the city of Nineveh, but repentance came and now he finds himself angry. He finds himself frustrated. He finds himself in this place where he's like, God, don't you remember how awful these people are? Have you forgotten what they've done to my people, to my countrymen? How they've hurt them, how they've pained them, how they've dishonored them. Don't you recall that? And Jonah goes through this challenge. Jonah Jonah goes through these moments of time. And I guess really this, this last chapter depicts God and his love and mercy again, everybody say again, trying to reach out to Jonah. So Jonah ran from God the first time. God pursued him. Jonah went onto the ship. God pursued him with a storm. Jonah went into the belly of ship. God pursued him and, and, and finally the, the sailors threw Jonah overboard. Jonah didn't die in that sea. A big fish comes and swallows Jonah whole. And Jonah has this three day and three night encounter with God in this belly of this fish. Finally he gets spewed out of this fish onto a shore somewhere nice and close to where he was supposed to go in the first place. So we see this journey, we see this process, but here's the reality. Much like you and I, sometimes we can be obedient to God with our action, but our heart is far from him. I don't want to find myself like Jonah. I I don't want to say yes to God, but really my heart is over there. I say yes to this, but my heart is over there. I I think that's where we find Jonah. And, And and can I say this? Jonah isn't the worst guy in the world. He's, he's not a horrible, horrible person. He's a confused person. Is that okay? Jonah is just not looking at life properly. So this is where we find Jonah. Sitting out the side, outside the city, unable to celebrate. Unable to celebrate that the entire city had just repented. Think about this now. If Jonah had God's heart... What would have Jonah done if he had seen the entire city repent? If he had stayed put he'd say, listen, change. God, God's wrath is going to come. Repent. What would have happened if he would have stayed there and seen 120,000 people repent? Do you know the celebration he could have been a part of? Do you know the joy that would have should have been springing up inside of Jonah? Just say, yes. 120,000 people just received God's love. Yet Jonah is not there. Jonah's by himself. Jonah's isolated himself. So Jonah should have been instructing these new converts, loving them, laughing, rejoicing at at God's kindness and goodness. Listen, instead he's outside the city, alone, angry, and extremely uncomfortable. Why is Jonah like this? What does God do to intervene in Jonah's life? Let's look a little bit deeper into that. One of the questions that over the years I've had asked to me numerous times was this. Do you really believe God speaks to people? Maybe maybe people have asked you that question. Do you really, Marie, do you really believe God speaks to people today? Like in today's day and age. Does God still speak And my answer has always been the same, yes, of course God speaks. So then usually the follow-up question is, how does God speak? And that's a good question. I would say this, the number one way God speaks to us is through his word. This is why church is structured the way it's structured. We open the service reading the word, that's God speaking to us. We sing our songs, which are word-based songs, so we're singing the word. Then we preach the word. Then we pray the word. So everything we do in our service is really directed at the word of God being the number one source of how God speaks to us. There's another way God speaks. And it's an interesting way. And it's a way often missed or overlooked by most of us. God speaks by asking questions. Have you ever noticed that in your life? See, God will ask you, why? Why did you do that? How come you responded like that? What's your reason for that? Why do you want that? This is how God really begins to get after us. And it's a powerful, powerful way. And it's kind of obvious, but I'll say it for for a fact God doesn't ask you and I questions or God doesn't ask Jonah questions because God is looking for an answer. Come on, how many people know God is all knowledge? He's all knowing. He's all powerful. Listen, God asks questions so we can know ourselves, our story, our need. And then here's the most powerful thing. God meets us at the place of our deepest need. So why does God ask us questions? Why does God ask Jonah three distinct questions in the last chapter, of, chapter four of, of the book of Jonah? It's not that God's looking for an answer. God wants Jonah to see himself. God wants him to, to have an encounter with himself. How do you get to know someone? How do, you, how do you get to know people? How do you really get to know who someone is? There's really only one way. Are you ready for this? The best and only way I know of getting to know someone is by asking them questions. Now, here's the tricky part. Do you get truth? So I'm going to ask for a volunteer. (laughs) Now, if you're an adult in the room, I'm going to tell you what I want you to volunteer to. I want you to volunteer to answer 11 questions to me as honestly as you can. Most adults are going to (laughs) say... Why? Because you know why? That's our natural response. So I'm not going to force you. You don't have to. But just our natural response is, whoa, why? Why is that our natural response? Why is our natural response to say, ooh, don't ask me 12 questions in front of all these people? Because we're not sure if we'll still be accepted once we answer the questions. We're not sure, what are you going to ask me? I'm not sure I want everyone to know that. And that's okay. That's that's fair. That's legitimate. But you see, this is how you get to know someone. So how does God help me to get to know me? And what's the point of God asking me to get to know me? Why does God want me to know myself? That's a really good question. Why? What's his motive? So with Jonah, what's his motive for asking Jonah these three questions? It's not that he's looking for information. He has all information. He wants Jonah to know himself, but why? Do you know why? So God can help Jonah see and help you and I see that we are still loved and accepted exactly as we are. Amen? So I need a volunteer. Molin, look at this. A, come on, Molin, stand up here. We need you to stand right up here so everyone can just see you nice and tall. You're probably going to be taller than your papa. My goodness. All right, Molin, I got uh, 12 questions for you. We're going to get to know Molin. <laughs> are you ready? Molin, are you going to give us straight answers? All right. What's your favorite color? Pink. I could have guessed that. Somewhere around there, I could have guessed that. What color do you want to paint your bedroom? pink of course what's your favorite food sushi. sushi Ooh, she does love sushi we started giving out no, no no maybe I shouldn't we started giving her sushi at 10 months Shh. <laughs> <laughs> there we go some people get worried about that one all right Mullen when's your birthday July the 2nd, July the 2nd is Mullen's birthday tell me a little bit about your family Uh huh. Um, Yeah. My dad's middle name is Garner. Oh, very good. Garner, close enough. (laughs) What's your little brother's name? Very good. Now, just notice something with our questions. And this is the same thing for you and I in every other relationship in our life. We start with questions that are really broad. What's your favorite color? What do you like? So now, Mullen, what do you love about your family? They're nice to you. Well, that's a good thing. What's your favorite thing to do? Do you see how now that question makes her think a little bit deeper? Because now it's not just, I like this color, I like that fish. No, no, now we're getting from here and we're getting to know Mullen here. Does that make sense? So when God asks us questions, he's not really concerned with what your favorite color is. What he's really concerned about is this. What do you love to do? So what does that question ask? That, that question is who are you in here? How are you put together? So here's a question to ask yourself. Who are you? What do you love to do? So these questions I'm asking Molly, ask yourself, who are you? What do you love? So, Malin, do you know what you love to do? You love to color. Well, you are a good colorer as well, by the way. All right. What do you love most about your best friend at school? It's a tough question, isn't it? So I would say it to us like this. What do you and I value most in other people? If you were to take your relationship with your, a friend, a family member, somebody, what do you value most? Do you value honesty? Do you value trustworthiness? Do you value a good time? I'm going to be with people. I better have a good time. What do you value? Because what you value speaks to who you and I are here. What is God doing by asking us questions? He's helping us reveal who we are here. We want the world to see this. I like pink. I want to paint my room pink. I like sushi. That's good. But that's all external. Do you notice this? The deeper the questions are for Malin, the longer she takes to answer. How quick did she answer when I said, what's your favorite color? Pink. Boom. Quick. But you see, when we get deeper, the questions aren't so easy to answer. Molly, do you know what you love about your friend at school? What? They They like you. So she likes to be liked. Well, that's good. We all do. What do you love the most? Your parents and God. Well, that's a very good answer. Thank you. All right. We're going to relieve Molly's. Come, baby. Can we give them all in a big hand? Good job, baby. Oh, I love you. Okay, go take your seat. Now, I know that's a simple little example, okay? I know that's really basic. But I'm trying to get something across. I'm trying to help us understand why God speaks to us through questions. And questions are powerful. I've said this before. Questions cause us to stop and think. And the deeper the question the more time we have to stop and consider. So I would say to you and I, how do you process that when I say God is good, but you look in the world and you see evil? How do you process that? What do you really value in relationships? Like if you say, I'm looking for a friend, and I'm val- and here's my value system. What do you look for? How? What sort of value do you put on yourself? How do you value yourself? Do you value yourself? These, these are deep questions. If you were to say, you know, what do you truly love? That's a deep question. That's, that's not a little question. That's a deep question. What do I really love? Here's a question. Why do you love that? Why do you love what you truly love? Why do you love that? But you see how those questions now, they make us stop and we're like, oh gosh. Maybe I could ask this. Should you love what you truly love? Should you love that thing? Because this is where God's going with Jonah. He's taking him somewhere. He's taking him on a journey. And look at this. And this is a powerful thing. Go to Luke chapter 6 verse 45. Do you guys have that for me, Jordy? Can we give Jordan a big hand? Mark and Beth are away in Sweden, and Jordan is back there with Mike running this entire service. (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't do what you guys are doing back there, so thank you both. You're awesome. uh, Luke chapter 6. Look what it says. This is so good. And I think this is why God asks us questions. Are you ready? Look at this. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Where's his heart? Don't think your blood pump bum 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 bum. That's not where things are start. Your heart depicts you, your core you, your core values. The vault that holds the things that you hold dearest is your heart. Whatever you grab onto, whatever you protect, whatever you hold, that's your heart. Amen. So it says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Look at this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you really want to get to know someone, you have to ask questions. And if you really want to have an honest relationship, you must answer honestly. You must really answer honestly. So back to my main point today. Why does God ask us questions? So you and I can, listen now, so you and I can hear our mouth. So we can hear our heart. So when we answer God, our heart is revealed. Does that make sense? When, I, when God asks me, what do I love? Why, what do you love, Randy? When I answer that, my heart is revealed. It's, it's exposed. And here's the thing. Sometimes that's scary. Sometimes it's a frightening thing, listen, for your true heart, your true self to be exposed. I, I don't always want to tell God. Even though I know in my head he knows everything. It's hard to confess these things. It's hard to say it. So God wants Jonah to see himself. So how does Jonah see himself? He must hear himself. How are you and I going to see ourselves? We must hear ourselves. And then when we hear ourselves, now don't stop there, we must weigh what we've just heard against God's word. Come on. Say, I'm just honest. I just tell it like it is. Great. Now what are you going to do with what God's word says about that? Have you allowed God's word to come in and now convict you and help you and change you and restore you out of that? Amen? That's the power. So God wants Jonah to see himself, so Jonah must hear himself. Our Our mouths speak what our hearts are full of. So here's the three questions that God asked Jonah, and I'm going to cruise now. I'm going to go through this real quick. The first question is this in in verse 4. If you can go to Jonah uh, Jonah chapter 4 verse 4. It says this. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? That's the first question. Is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry? In asking this question to Jonah, God is getting to the root of Jonah's anger. And what's the root of his anger? God is really challenging Jonah and saying, Jonah... Are you right to be angry that 120,000 people just repented? Does it seem right to you? Jonah's answer is yes, it's right. What's God trying to reveal? God's trying to reveal something to Jonah. Jonah, you lack compassion. You lack compassion. You, 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 want, you want to be legalistic. You want to say, "Man, they hurt me, I need to hurt them. They abused me, I need to abuse them. They neglected me, I need to neglect them. They badmouth me, I'll badmouth them." That's the world's response, friends. That's not Christ's response. So if you find yourself at times giving a worldly response, let your ears hear it. Because you know what happens? Your own heart convicts you. And you say, "Oh gosh. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I respond that way? So Jonah's compassion was conditional. But God wanted Jonah's compassion to be unconditional. In areas of of my life and of your life, where do I lack compassion? Because here's the reality. Wherever you and I lack compassion we will so easily slip into condemnation. Listen, if you and I can't learn to be compassionate with one another, I'll tell you the flip side, you will be condemning of one another. Can I help you? And this is a real simple thing. Nobody wants to live in a life in a relationship of condemnation. I know I don't. I'm pretty certain you don't. So what does that mean? Compassion. We give compassion to one another. When is compassion necessary? When judgment should be what's needed. Did you hear what I said? When is compassion necessary? When somebody has failed and judgment is what they deserve but compassion is what we give them. Listen, do you want to know the success to a long marriage? Be compassionate. Be forgiving. Forgive one another. Forgive easily. Amen? Forgive easily. Don't harbor stuff. Do you know one of the, one of the great regrets I have in my life? And, I, and this is a confession time. Too many times I've harbored things for too long. And I haven't let it go quick enough. And the longer I've harbored something, the worse it's been for me. And I think, I think as I harbor this frustration or anger or resentment towards someone, it's gonna it's gonna hurt them. It doesn't hurt them, it hurts me. I'm the one who suffers that. I miss out. I live in frustration. I live in in in, some, in this sense of, of unrest. Let compassion flow. Amen. Through the scripture we see God's compassion and his compassion is consistent from Genesis to Revelation. But the law is continual in its condemnation of one another. There's so many great stories we can go to and for the sake of time we're not going to do that. But I think of the story of the good Samaritan. And if you know that story, this man is beaten left on the road. He's a Samaritan and, and a Levite and a priest walk by and they just disregard him. And then, then, or no, a Jewish man is, is on the road beaten. And the Samaritan finally comes by and helps this man and restores him to health. Takes money out of his pocket, spends time. That's compassion. May our compassion always outflow our condemnation. Amen. So, God is taking Jonah down again, this time not just down into the belly of a ship, not just down into the belly of a fish, not just down into the belly of the depths of the sea. God is taking Jonah to a place that is even scarier, down into the depths of his own heart. And here's the thing what we find in the depths of our heart can be painful, it can be fearful it can be hurtful you know sometimes the reality is this can i say this listen this is going to help someone today if you want to be free from past hurt and past pain sometimes you got to face it you got to go on you got to, you got to tackle it head on you got to face it and this is what god does with jonah he says jonah i want you to face you I want you to face yourself. Maybe you've been in relationships where you've been hurt. You've been abused. You've been neglected. Can I tell you something? Don't let that define you. Face that. Say, God, that's where I was. And in my, in my hurt, I ran. I ran from people. I ran from intimacy. I ran from relationships. I ran from you but God, I can't run anymore. I'm tired of running. Because this is where we need to come to. Come to a place where you're tired of running. And just give in to God. Amen? Face that thing. Don't bring judgment on it. I did it because da-da-da-da-da. Get tired of bringing judgment on it. Come to a place where you're tired of of judging it. Does that make sense? Give me a little wave. You're tired of judging it. You're tired of of relentlessly going over it in your heart and mind. And I know it can be fearful. I know it can be a painful place to see yourself. What Jonah's heart reveals is his self-centeredness, his legalism, and his condemnation. And this, in turn, friends, reveals you and I. Why, when I said this, and I, would have been, I put myself at the front of the lane, if I was sitting where you are this morning and some preacher said to me, hey, who wants to stand up and be interviewed with 12 questions? I wouldn't have put my hand up. I'd have been just like you. But why is that? It's one reason. Because I'm not totally sure if you truly knew me, you'd still love me. If you truly knew me, would you still respect me? If you truly knew me, would you still trust me? And this is where we all are. God wants us to know ourselves. Why? Not to just stick it in your face. You're, you're, You're a condemner. You're a legalist. You're this. No. Then God does something powerful. He comes and says, yeah, Randy, that's you but I love you just like you are. Yeah, yeah L, that's you, but I love you just like you are. Yeah, Nick, that's you, but I love you just like you are. Now, friends, the grace of God means something to us. The grace of God, listen, will mean nothing to us if we don't see our true self. It will mean nothing to you. I don't want to over-exaggerate that. The grace of God will mean nothing to you if you don't see yourself or who you truly are. But if you see yourself for who you are, and then God says, come here, I love you. You say, oh my gosh. Now you're overwhelmed. Because you know what you're thinking? I'm not lovable. God says, yeah, I know. That's why I gave my son. Amen. That's why I loved you when you couldn't love yourself. I loved you when you were unlovely and lost in sin. I loved you then. And I love you that much more now. Listen, if God loved us while we were yet sinners, how much more does he love us if that's possible now that we're sons and daughters of his? Amen? Don't be afraid of the mirror. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't let that mirror, don't don't shy away from that mirror. Ah, I don't want to see myself. No, I'm good. I'm just going to live my life. No, no, don't be afraid. When you look at yourself and you say, oh God, help me. Have mercy. You know what? He will. (laughs) He will. And let me tell you the the outflow of that now. Your relationships will go and they will flourish with joy and peace and excitement and compassion. Why? Because you've been changed. And it no longer matters what Renata thinks of me or, or what Meta thinks of me. No, 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 that, that, that's good. I want them to think well of me, but that's not driving me anymore. What's driving me is God loves me. God thinks I'm his. God made me his own. Now I live like that. That's life in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's the gift of salvation. Listen, listen. When is a gift most precious? Listen, when is a gift most precious? When you need it the most. When you need it the most, it's most precious. This is why when I see my true self and I see the actual condition of my heart, that I'm judgmental, I'm hurtful, I want things my way, and and God reveals this to me, and then in that same moment, he embraces me. He says, come on, come on, I'm not gonna leave you there. I love you too much to leave you there. I'm gonna bring you to a better, higher life. I'm gonna bring you to a kingdom life. That's life in God, amen? That's life in the kingdom of God, Anything else is not life in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of things we can say, but that's, that's life. Amen? I probably told a lie at the beginning of the service. And the lie probably told us this, that I would get through this message today. <laughs> is it okay if I hold off for one more week for the sake of time? Just give me a wave if you're okay. Perfect. Bow your head. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank whoa, sorry. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, your truth, your love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for asking us questions. Thank you, Lord, for caring enough about us that you challenge us, you ask us. And Lord God, not to condemn us, but to free us. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Stand